Good morning, everyone. And good morning, everyone at home. And I loved hearing that good morning. Let's try that one more time, though. I didn't hear it from enough people. You don't have to yell, but you know what? Let's just try this. Let's whisper. Everybody whisper on the count of three. One, two, three. Good morning. All right, some of you, I think, whisper quite loud. But it's amazing to hear how the voices of 100 or so people are amplified when we, when we speak together. And it's amazing to think about how when we worship God together and when we pray together and when we live as Christ followers together in the ways that God wants us to live, in the way, in his righteous ways, the world can see our impact amplified. Isn't that an amazing thought just to think about the impact that a group of people, a group of Christians following after Christ, living in his ways can have in the world? Today, we're going to continue our second week now in this new series called Love in Action. It's not meant to be a long series, I promise you. In fact, we're going to try to wrap it up just next week on Father's Day, just a three-week series. But we continue the second week of Love in Action. And I'm going to admit something to you. I've been trying a lot to get away from this pulpit and to engage you in different ways, to speak more directly to you, to to speak more on just what God's laid on my, on my heart and what the Spirit's put upon my life to share with you. But today, I brought the pulpit back front and center because what I'm going to say with you all today, I'm going to try to read from my notes a lot more because I want to make sure that my words come across clearly. I want to make sure that I'm not misunderstood. I want to make sure that I don't misspeak. And even with that, I pray and that, that God speaks through me and to me and to all of you. And I also pray that even if I do misspeak, that God will correct it in all of your minds. Let's read from Romans chapter 12, 9 to, and I changed it for today. We're just going to attack. We're just going to study Romans 9, 14 to 18 this morning. Please follow along on the screen as I read. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty or proud, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight, but repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Now, little little kind of surprise for you for next week. We're actually going to start next week with that verse 18 as well. We're going to look to that two weeks in a row. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So I want to start with reading from my notes here. You see, with everything going on around us in this world, I thought it not just appropriate, but very much needed for us to be reminded of who we are as Christians followers of Christ, and how we should be reacting to the people and the circumstances around us. And some of us need to hear this. Some of us need to hear what this message is today so that we know how we should be reacting. Some of us need to hear this message today so that we can be challenged, so that we can be convicted, so that we can change. But some of us just need to hear this, to hear it spoken, so that we can know how can we help others. So that we can think through, and I don't know about you. Look, I already got away from my notes. This is bad. (laughs) 
I don't know about you, but I think through things better when I can talk through something and when I can listen through something. That's just the type of learner I am. So I thought, for all of you who have been at home trying to think through this, I thought we need to address this. We need to talk about it. So Romans, here in chapter 12, moves from doctrinal truth to now in chapter 12, practical living of the Christ follower, marks of true Christianity. The Christian is called to a life of love in action. And we are to be united in this mission together, united together forever to the glory of God. Our lives, our actions, our thoughts, our words should all be glorifying God. And we should be living with a love in action mentality. Now, let me say one thing, living with this love in action mentality can be very, very, very hard at times. Sometimes it's hard enough to see love. Sometimes it's hard to find love. Sometimes it's hard to show love to ourselves, let alone to others. But in these times, we must work even harder at showing who we are and who we follow in his lovely characteristics. And that's what we begin to see as we're followers of Christ. We see his characteristics. We, be, we see him, we see us becoming more like him as we're sanctified into his image. You see, lately our hearts have been heavy as we think about the deaths of George Floyd and other racial injustice which has since been brought to light through this movement. Now, many of you may be tired of hearing about this, but it's something that is very real in the world today. And I've heard so many stories, not just from conspiracy theories, not just from news outlets that you don't want to believe, but from personal friends. I heard a story not long ago of a friend who actually went on vacation not long ago, and they went in the gas station to pick up um, and pay for their pop, their soda, their Coca-Cola, whatever you call it. They went in the store to pay for their pop, and they had to wait in line behind a gentleman. And as he got to the clerk, the clerk said, we don't serve your kind. We only serve white people. Now, they, they walked up and paid for his drink for him and kind of gave the clerk a lecture. But I don't know about you, but I don't think about these things. I, I think this doesn't happen still today. We've moved forward. But I have news for you. It still does happen. And we're seeing stories come out. And we need to know how do we react in these times. You see, many of us have thought of our own family and our own friends. And we've been asking ourselves, how would we feel and respond if the same injustice happened to someone we know and love deeply? Maybe you're the one who is treated unfairly, unjustly yourself, and I am sorry for this. You know, it's not enough for us to think about what if a friend of ours or what if somebody we love is treated this way. We should be appalled at the idea that anybody is treated this way. What happened that day to George Floyd and what we continue to see what happens to people of color or different ethnicities or different cultural backgrounds, different sects, is appalling. It is wrong. What happened that day and happens daily around not just the world, but within our very own communities is wrong. And I want it known from me, from this pulpit, that I believe to treat anyone differently because of their background, because of their sex, or because of the color of their skin is not just wrong or despicable or inexcusable, but also I believe it to be sinful. And I would go as far to say that it not only just hurts those people or those people groups, but it saddens God. And I, I hope that you people, that this church will gather around me with that thought, with that idea, with what I believe to be a great truth. 
This is especially true, and I believe it to especially sadden God, to see those who call themselves his followers causing some of these problems. Those who call themselves his followers, not all of his church, some are believing that certain created beings are better than others. But we're called as the church, as God's people, as followers of Christ, to treat each other with brotherly love. And that's the type of love that we saw and we looked to last week was Romans 12, 9 to 13. So given all this and everything I just said and everything we're going to get into, I want us to think about how are we to respond? And we start out with this, Romans 12, verse 14, a very convicting and very hard statement to hear where it says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. I mean, really, we're not supposed to persecute those who persecute us? We're not supposed to curse them, I mean, they curse us. They yell obscenities to us and make fun of your hair color, the way you talk, the way you look, the color of your skin, your, your background, whether it be religious or wealth background or social background or cultural background. But we're not supposed to persecute them. We're not supposed to curse them. Why? That's what they deserve. Well, that's not what we're commanded to do by Christ. And that's not what we see by the life of Christ. Instead, we're told to bless them, to pray for them. This is what Scripture commands, and this is what we see through the love in action that Christ showed us. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. It's no easy task. In fact, it's quite the opposite. It's very daunting. It's very hard. It's very burdensome, and especially at times, as maybe you feel broken because of their actions or their words to you, and especially when maybe you find out that it's been said behind your back. And that is even more why we need our one another's, why we need our fellow believers in Christ, followers in Christ, to walk beside us, stand with us, and lift us up and encourage us and challenge us. That is even more why we need our connection with God to be intimate and relational and to go to him daily, constantly in prayer and to study his word but enough away from my notes. You see, we must not just resist hating them, but we must bless them. We are new created beings with every day being sanctified to be more like Christ. And Paul here is essentially paraphrasing Jesus' words from Luke where he says, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Jesus also Reference, as you may remember, that if one hits you on a cheek, strikes you on a cheek, turn and give them the other cheek. I mean, there's many references in the Bible to how we should treat others. And it's not normally with persecution or with violence or with standing up against them. A lot of times it's with love. We can look to many stories in Scripture to see this illustrated too, starting first with Christ himself being tortured on the cross, by oppressors. And yet, what did he do to them? Did he curse them? No. Did he persecute them? No. Did he pray for them? Did he bless them? Yes. This is the example we live up to. This is the example we look to with our lives. Many Christian apostles and martyrs follow this example as well, and so should we. As we saw Stephen, when he was martyred, praying for his enemies as well. And many people have come to know Christ through these actions of love, love in action. It's not easy, but 
What better way to show love in action than to show what Christ showed us, than to live how Christ lived for us and to die and humble ourselves and sacrifice ourselves as Christ did for us as well. You see, I believe that the blood of Christ and salvation from sin that Christ gives does not favor anyone's sex, anyone's color, or background. And furthermore, I believe greatly that it is needed by all, and it is a free gift of God for all. By God's grace and mercy and through Christ Jesus, his blood spilled, his, his body broken, his victory over the grave and the cross and death and sin, we can have life and hope, and we can live forevermore with him. But we still live with the problem in the world. We still live, and we're seeing right now a lot of evil happening, a lot of hatred happening. But I think that we need to remember this one thing. It all comes down to sin. It all comes down to sin. Don't miss this fact. You cannot solve the evil that's happening around the world, the hatred that's happening in people's lives, without first addressing the sin in the evil. Humanity needs Jesus. Humanity needs to surrender to the cross and follow after Christ as Lord and Savior. They need to confess with their mouths that Christ is Lord. You see, evil and sin came into the world because of Adam and Eve. We see this in Scripture. Time and time again, we learn of this. And we suffer the consequences. Ever since, we've suffered the consequences, but not just the consequence. We also read in Scripture that us, ourselves, are creatures who sin. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and yet God does what? Does he persecute? Does he curse us? No, he shows us love and action by sending Christ for us, to die for us, yet while we're still sinners. God shows us hope. God shows us love. God says there is a way to peace and be reconnected to God the Father in heaven, but it is only through Christ. And this evil that's in the world, this hatred that's in the world, I have unfortunate news for you. It will continue because the world does not follow after Christ. No matter how much we do, there will always be those people who do not and that cause evil to happen. But that doesn't mean that we just live stagnantly and we don't do anything about it. Why do we treat others wrongly, differently? It all comes down to sin. Ultimately, the solution to the great evil and sin-filled world is love. But it's not just our love, it's the love of Christ that must come through us and be delivered to everyone else. You see, the gospel is the ultimate solution to the human condition. There is no other solution, no solution without Christ. There is no other way to true peace but through the crucified Son of God. And we must show people this love in action. So how should we treat each other? How do we treat each other with love in action? With love, humble love, as Christ showed us. Well, we look to God's word. We're called to not look to others negatively as different, but to treat each other with brotherly love as we looked to last week. We are all created in his image. Look to the beginning of creation. Look to God's word. We're all created in his image. We're all created by him. We are all his children. We're all part of the same family. We're all part of one race, the human race. And that might be hard for some people to grasp, and I, I hope you can think about that, ponder that, because some people are having identity in a certain race, but I really do think that 
when it comes down to it, we're all part of God's human race, created by him, created in his image. We're all descendants of Adam and Eve. And yes, listen closely to this. Yes, we have many different backgrounds, ethnic backgrounds, cultural backgrounds, wealth backgrounds, many different backgrounds, but this is to be treasured, not suppressed, not persecuted, but treasured. I was encouraged this past week by an older man in our congregation. He's walking around here somewhere. I'm not going to share his name, but this man loves to share his knowledge with anybody who will listen, and he has some great godly wisdom to give. But let me tell you, he was upset by everything that's happening around us, and this was his reason. He said he was upset as he saw so many people blinded by the blessings that they could have in their lives by befriending those of different color, different backgrounds, different cultures. We were, we've, we're different, but that's not a problem. That is to be treasured. He said, we can learn so much from them and they can bless our lives as we get to take part in their lives. But still, people are treated wrongly, unjustly, because of different colors of skin, because different cultural backgrounds, because of different sex, male or female. As much as we want to think everybody has the same opportunity, it's not always so. And this is part of the sin-filled world, but it does not make it right. Sin is sin. Evil is evil. Bad is bad. And we must be careful not to dance with the sin, flirt with the sin. We must be of the world, in the world, but not of the world. We must be in the world to preach the good news of Christ and to show them love in action. We must follow Christ's ways, righteousness, before anything else. We must show people the light and hope that a Christ-filled life brings. And we must live lives of godly action, love in action. We must show them that we live according to the marks of a true Christian. You see, our hearts are also heavy in many other ways. And I feel I must address many different things today. And that makes it hard but still needed. You see, our hearts also are heavy as we find our good friends and family in blue. Law enforcement officers being disrespected and mistreated. And I know these are controversial statements today, but I feel they need addressed. Some are being mistreated all because there are some that not just maybe, but I will say there are some of these in law enforcement officers who are filled with evil, hateful actions, thoughts, and words and sin-filled lives but we still need to stand and support and pray for those that are good. It's wrong to neglect an entire group of people because of a few that are bad. Now, I'm not getting into the controversial debate. What needs to happen with them and with the police force? And do we restructure them, defund them, all of this? I'm not an expert in that field to be able to speak of it. But what I can say is from a Christian outlook, we do need to pray for them. We do need to show them the love of Christ, and we need to show them where hope comes from. And we're getting more into this here in a moment. But I, I will say, I was just thinking over this thought, and I, I just wrote, wow, I mourn as I think to where we would be now if God treated us as we treat others. If we were to wait until we decided that all people of a people group were worthy before we showed them that they mattered, before we showed them love and respect. If we were to neglect an entire people group because of maybe the actions of a few. But I think we do that very often in our lives. As we stereotype different people groups, different cultures, different backgrounds, different sexes, 
just because of something we've seen or been a part of or some preconceived thought. Our hearts are also heavy as we see violent protests and riots in the streets and in the news daily, destruction of small businesses, of people's homes, jobs, churches, and their lives. But what I want to address is this. You see, the peaceful protests, which are right, legal, and can be a good thing, have often been taken over and overshadowed by the people with selfish, sinful, hate-filled desires or ambitions to cause harm and to cause disaster and to cause more crisis. All of this on top of the initial crisis of COVID-19 and the coronavirus, this pandemic that we find ourselves in. You see, I have many friends and family, as many of you do, which I look forward to still with great anticipation to worshiping with physically once again, to be able to see face-to-face and meet up with in a coffee shop. But we have all these many crises happening around us. And if one was not just enough, now we have many, and we need to unite together in this one mission as Christians, as followers after Christ, to show them these characteristics, these marks of a true Christian. You see, finally, I have one final thing I want to say that our heart breaks for before we get into some more scripture references here in application. I want to say that our hearts have been heavy and aches as we see many divisions across this country, across this nation, and even within our own communities, our families, and friends. You see, Satan loves to cause division. Scripture tells us that he's like a roaring lion looking to devour and, and I truly believe that, just as I believe all of Scripture. And I think Satan is trying to cause division. Because if he, he knows that if he gets you away from your support group, away from your friends, away from fellow believers and followers after Christ, he has a chance at separating you from God. But we must stand true. You see, division creates much opportunity. But not for us, not for God I mean, God always has opportunity. Don't misunderstand me. But division causes opportunity for Satan to get in and to separate you from God and his will for your life. We need to unite. Where there is division, there is room for him and his lies to squeeze into people's lives, to separate people from seeing the workings of God and to lead them astray. But let me assure you, God is still here. He is still working. He still wants to use you and know you. He wants to love you and to equip you. We must not allow Satan and worldly thoughts to divide us, to conquer us, and prevent us from living the lives as God calls us to live. But as a pastor and as Christians, as followers after Christ, I hope you agree with this, it saddens me greatly as we see so many people of faith in God and Jesus being led astray by worldly wisdom, by worldly emotions, Too many men and women of God are being led astray by their emotions, others people's emotions, or worldly wisdom. Some due to ignorance or not knowing better. Some willingly as they lack the courage to stand up and rebuke the injustice they hear and see around them. Some possibly legitimately scared as they have tried to stand up for what is right in the eyes of the Lord and been bullied for having an opinion which differs from from others. Some have been told that you cannot support both sides or part of each side, but we must be against all of one side or you're part of the problem. Some people have been told that if you pray for the wrong side, the bad side, you are part of that wrong side and bad side as well. And let me tell you, this is wrong. So much of this is wrong. 
We are to pray for all things and at all times, and we are to have lives characterized by the love of Christ. We are to show his love, and we are to proclaim Christ in all things. As Christians, we are commanded to look not to the worldly knowledge, not to our emotions, but to godly wisdom. And in Proverbs 2.6, it states, For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth, and comes knowledge and understanding. And in James 1.5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So I ask you, the Christ follower, those who are here to worship today, love in action means listening. But are you listening to the right source? Are you listening to God? Before we seek wisdom on how to respond to something, are we first going to the word of God? To our holy inspired word of God that we see God that we see in the Bible? Or are we first seeking wisdom through our peers, through friends, through strangers, through authorities, whether it be government or health or anything else? We need to make sure that we seek godly wisdom before anything else. Search his word, search his heart and mind, and find wisdom in him through prayer. Now, I'm not saying that it's not smart to also listen to those around you. We must listen to those around you. That's part of having a heart for people and showing love in action. That's part of being smart and using the brains that God gave us. But we need to first go to God. We listen first and foremost to godly wisdom. Secondly, we listen to the people around us. You see, we are saddened by happenings in our communities, states, and our nations. But we must look to God's word to see how do we react? What do we do now? So we look to God's word here, Romans 12, 9, uh, 14 to 18 here. We bless those who persecute you. We bless and do not curse them. We rejoice with those who rejoice. We weep with those who weep. We live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty or proud, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight, but repay no one for evil, no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, it's your responsibility, live peaceably with all. How are you doing with these things? And I'm sorry if I sound a little too challenged or, or pressing on you, but I, I, I'll be the first one to admit I'm preaching to me. I struggle with these things. As we talked earlier, it is hard to not want to curse people who curse you or persecute people who persecute you. And even in just ignoring them or excommunicating them out of your lives, you're in ways persecuting them, not blessing them, but cursing them as you curse them out of your lives. And maybe your life is the one that they see Christ in. John MacArthur also points out, when we talk about rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn, that in addition to weeping or mourning with those who weep, we should also weep for those who should be weeping but do not, as Christ did for us, and he wept over Jerusalem. And we see illustrations in Scripture in Luke 19 and also back in the Old Testament, Jeremiah 9. I have mourned greatly over the happenings that are happening around our country and around the world, and every day I mourn for the sinners that are around the world that need to come to know Christ. Have you mourned? Have you rejoiced? Have you wept with those who weep? Have you rejoiced with those who rejoice? Have you taken the time to do these things? It was once said, too, I read a commentary which stated, 
you're not true friends until you have not just rejoiced together, but you have wept together. I don't know if that's completely true, but I do think that as we weep together, as we mourn together over a, uh, over a circumstance, we do bond together on a deeper level. As we work through problems together, we bond together. As we find peace with one another, we also bond together deeper. But we're commanded to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. I continue to rejoice at all the goodness that God's doing now in this world and all the goodness that God will continue to do for all of eternity. And I challenge you too as well to do so. There was one pastor that shared, he was asking his congregation what their favorite Bible verses are. And this one man said, my, my favorite scripture reference is this too shall pass. And the pastor said, how can that be? Why would your favorite scripture be this too shall pass? And man basically said, well, there's so many bad things in the world, but as you focus on this too shall pass, you remember there's better things to come. You remember the hope that you have in Christ. Isn't that great? How are we to live as men and women trusting in and following after Christ through all these worldly happenings? How are we to respond? Well, for one, we're commanded to be imitators of Christ, to be one with the Spirit, to be defined by the hope and love that is within us. We can't be imitators of Christ if we're not looking to his word and studying his word and being in prayer with him to see how Christ is. Micah 6.8 says, And what does the Lord require of us? To act justly and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. And Romans 12, 16, furthermore says, to live in harmony with one another. What have we been doing in our lives? Are we living in harmony with all people? Do you live in harmony with all? Do you live in harmony with all those of a, just one certain class, or do you have a wide range of friends? Do you live in harmony with all classes, all social and wealth classes, people of different color, people of different cultural backgrounds, spiritual backgrounds, every type of background we should be getting involved with and befriending so that we can show them the hope that we have in Christ. Do you associate with people, all backgrounds? Do you associate with the lowly, as we're told in verse 16? Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. You see, if possible, we are to make peace. Live peaceably. This means that we have a responsibility to always be trying to make peace and to live peaceably with others. Now, that, that doesn't mean that they're always gonna accept that peace offering that we have. That, that doesn't always mean they're gonna treat us with the same level of peace that we're treating them with. But it does mean that we have a responsibility, if possible, so far as it depends on your actions, to live peaceably with all people. Furthermore, I think that it also says, if possible, because sometimes there will be times when you can't live peaceably with somebody. Maybe it's because of them it, it, having a conflict of interest with our faith and our principles of following after Christ, and we must first give ourselves to Christ, surrender to him. But through all things in all ways, our lives must glorify God. Through our actions, words, and thoughts, we must glorify God. So this brings me to the closing, to our applications and take home. So I hope you haven't fallen asleep. If you have, 
here's the time to wake up, knock on your neighbor's shoulder. Um, here we go. You see, in this time, I have been, your leadership has been, and I challenge you to also be people of prayer. I encourage you to pray both privately and publicly, to pray together as well as on your own, to be constant in prayer in all things, in all ways, and for all people groups that's happening around you. Pray multiple times a week, not just on certain times and days, and we want to equip you to do this. We are praying together on Wednesdays at both noon and 6 p.m., what we're calling park and pray, so you don't even have to come close to one another. Just park your car in a circle with good distance and open your, up your trunk and just sit on your bumper and let's pray for this community. Let's pray for these people. Let's pray for the world. Let's pray for our government leaders, our healthcare professionals. Let's pray for followers in Christ to shine a light, Christ's light, to him in the hope that he provides. Let's pray. But not just on Wednesdays. Let's pray together every day. You see, only God can change a person's heart. But I want to share four principles with you that I've been encouraged to follow, and I just love these. One is this. Love in action means listening. We need to seek to understand. And I'm listening and asking questions in new ways, in different ways, and to different people, to different books, to different sources. We, too, need to seek to understand. And one pastor said we need to turn off the but, yeah, or the yeah, but reaction. As so many of us are not active listening, we're passively listening as we're actively looking for what answer we're going to give them and how we're going to refute what they have to say. You see, it's not difficult to find a hole in a point of view or think about ways something isn't true, but doing this disrupts that first truth, that, truth, that we need to listen. Love and action means listening. And we need to be careful to obey James 1.19, abide by this, to be very quick to listen and very slow to speak. I know this speaks greatly to me. Obviously, I like to speak, and listening can be hard sometimes. We, all, we must all work to do these. Number two, love and action means speaking. I'm better at that. But sometimes we speak in the wrong ways. We must speak out against injustice. We as followers of Christ should be proclaiming Christ and speaking out against all the sin and evil in the world. We need to speak of love, love and action, Christ's love, and have the mentality that your problem is my problem, and let's figure it out together. Number three, love in action means acting. We must be acting in ways that glorify God, that shows that we love God above all else, and that we love our neighbors as we love ourselves. We need to treat others how we want to be treated, and we need to have love in action, the same type of action that we read about here in Romans 12, 14 to 18. We need to make friends, not enemies. We need to be making frenemies over enemies. Or if that confuses you, may your enemies be made into friends through your prayers, your blessings over your cursings, and our actions as we live according to the righteousness of God. We need to befriend people of all backgrounds, all ethnicities, all cultures, all sex, man and woman, all color, all wealth backgrounds, all social backgrounds, whatever else you can come up with. May they know you are a Christian by your life and the love of Christ that's proclaimed through you. May they see the hope that is within you. And that brings me to our final point, number four. Love in action means being prepared. 
Now, I once heard a pastor said that he went to school to be a pastor. I'm sorry, but he never actually pursued being a pastor because this verse really hurt him. It's 1 Peter 3.15, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give reason for the hope that you have. And he felt like, how can I always be prepared? So I must just not be prepared. And that doesn't make sense because first of all, this is not a commandment just to those serving in the, possession, the profession of pastor or reverend or leader of a church. This is a command for all of us to be prepared and we all can be prepared as we abide by the Spirit's guidance, allow him to lead our lives, study God's word, pray with him, talk with him, and he will guide you. We need to witness to people. We need to talk to people about the knowledge we know to be true from the word of God. Tell them what you know and look for opportunities. I read of a story as we close of a man that Went to work one day, it was around the Easter season, and a co-worker just asked him, hey, I, I heard this Sunday's Passover and Easter's coming. What does this mean? What is Passover? He began telling him about Passover and the history of it, and all of a sudden the man says, wow, look, I'm witnessing. I, I always put so much emphasis on what witnessing is that I, I tend to not realize it when I'm doing it. Share the knowledge that you have of God's word. Share with them, most importantly, Go to them with the gospel. Tell them the good news of Christ to save us from, and give us salvation over our sin, over the hell that we deserve. Show people Jesus. I want to close in prayer, but I'm going to do something differently today. And we do have a business meeting after service. We'll give about 10 minutes after service, and then we'll reconvene those who are able to stay. But I want to invite any deacons that are here up front. Deacons, if you're here, please come up front. Pastor Eldon Carlson, I respect you greatly. Could I have you come up front as well? And here's what I want to do. I want us to close in group prayer as we pray for what's happening around the world, around us, the great injustice, the great sin, the great hate, the evils, and let's pray for God's glory to be seen. Dean and Greg, can you pick up those wireless mics? And I invite these men up here. I want this known. I invite these men up here, not because they're better than any of you, but just because I'm holding them accountable to a greater... And I know that I've done this before, and sometimes when you ask for group prayer, you find yourself or just a couple are praying. Well, this means all these guys are on the spot, and they're going to have to pray. So I, I want to encourage you guys and, the, and gals to also please pray with us. Pray with us. We we'll have some moments of silence in between these men and myself praying, and I want you to pray during the moments of silence. Pray out loud and pray within yourself. Greg, can you open us in prayer? And I'll close us after a few minutes. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, and what a day it is to worship you. Lord, what an opportunity to just sit back at the throne of your grace and learn of your word and, and learn to love one another. You, Lord Jesus, you, you, are the, you are the ultimate love you died on the cross for us. And when we look upon others in our community, our surrounding areas, Lord Jesus, that we would love the godly love. And this church, Lord Jesus, would be known for its love for the community, for its church, for its people throughout, not just Bloomer, throughout the United States, the world, that, Lord Jesus, us, we will all shine that light that is in us, that hope, share it as Patrick challenged us, that we should share without ceasing, easily sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ that others would have that hope in, that we have in Jesus Christ, 
Oh, Lord Jesus, what, is our, what, a, what a privilege is it to be a believer in Christ Jesus that in these trying times, these opportunities times, that, Lord Jesus, we can share the hope that is in us. Work today, the coming days, and each and every one of these people, Lord Jesus, that they would have that hope, they would share that hope, and they would continue to grow in that hope in the study and the knowledge of your word. Oh, dear God, be glorified today that, Lord Jesus, others would see Christ in us. Lord, uh, I pray in this, in this time of um, turmoil throughout our nation that uh, you prepare our hearts, prepare our minds for um, the words that are to be able to uh, capitalize on opportunities. Uh, there, there's going to be many of those um, as you encounter people um, with differences and to be able to talk, to th talk through those and to able to give godly insight. Um, Lord, we just, we thank you for all that you do in our lives. We thank you for um, this congregation, this opportunity to worship you so freely. And we just pray that you um, give us the direction and the understanding to uh, use those opportunities wisely. Lord, please pray for everybody so that they make wise decisions and that they understand your word and how you want us to live throughout this world. Heavenly Father, I come into your presence and knowing that uh, your grace is the only thing that can save our nation. Uh, we have become divided. We have become arrogant. We have become uh, so self-centered. And Father, I know myself, I repent of my prejudices, the, the things that I have thought about uh, looking down upon police officers, looking down upon people with color, looking down upon people of different economic uh, stature. Father, I'm sorry for that. And I pray, Lord, that uh, as Pastor Patrick has reminded us, Lord, may we listen to those that are hurting May we be understanding of, of people of color that have been treated unjustly. May we also listen to our police who have uh, agonized over how to uh, deal with situations. Lord, um, we really need your Holy Spirit to guide and direct us. So, Father, um, thank you for this message from Romans chapter 12, that we would live in harmony that we would love and put it in action. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, you are our sovereign Lord. <clears throat> there are so many people out there, Lord, that are missing the opportunity to come to you and, and do what they're supposed to do here on earth, and that is to worship you and glorify you and honor you. And also, Lord, to spread the word. My heart goes out to all of those people, Lord. I just ask that you open their eyes. I ask also, Lord, that you pray for those good policemen, that you just take the pressure off of them and just stop this nonsense that's going on. I do understand, Lord, that because you are sovereign and you are in charge of everything, that this may be your plan toward the end of the earth. And we welcome that day when it comes, Lord. Just give us the signs, Lord, so that we 
we know what to do and we know what to say when people come with their bad feelings toward us and toward other people. I just pray, Lord, for your, for your grace and your mercy for those that are suffering through all of this, those people that have lost their businesses and, and lost their property due to fires and all of that. It is just, just so chaotic, Lord, and I don't understand it. But I just trust in you that you would resolve these issues, Lord, as you see fit. I just ask this in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you we can go to the scriptures, to the source of uh, wisdom, and that that is uh, preached, and we thank you for that, Lord. We ask you to open our, our hearts, our ears, our eyes to what you would have uh, for each of us individually. And uh, it is a time of chaos and, and change. We do uh, ask God for forgiveness of sins of our nation, corporate sins that have been lived. Um, we've talked about one today, uh, that'd be uh, racism, but there are others that uh, we've, we've really uh, let go by the wayside. Um, the value of human life, of truth-telling, of wisdom, of acknowledging that you are the source of all good. We just thank you, Lord, for who you are. And we thank you, Lord, that even though on the outside, as uh, the illustration with the M&Ms today, we may look different, we may have cracks in our veneer. Lord, uh, you look at our inside and you value each person individually above all so much that you died on the cross for each of us. And you died for us and our sins. We just ask for forgiveness for that, Heavenly Father. pray this in your name. Amen. Dear Lord, we just ask you to help us to continue to convey your love and mercy to the people of the world, to get through these turbulent times and be by our sides and help us be strong and witness to those who need it, and to be with those who are persecuted and are having problems to shine your love and offer them our support and continue to be our rock and our salvation and just help us help us to see the way lord because we don't understand your path we just know we need to follow it and we just ask for your guidance and to keep us straight and true and to keep us to be the light that you want us to be we ask this in your name and father heaven we know that and we see the darkness growing However, we also know that you have said that this is nothing new. He who is in this world works in the darkness. But we do have that hope that he who is in us is stronger than he who is in the world. And that does give us comfort. But Lord, it's also scary because what you have given us, we also know you expect us to use. You expect us to shine in this world and to be the light. Grant us the wisdom and the courage to walk in a way that brings you honor and glory through all that we do and we say. In Jesus' name. I encourage you with us at home to pray with us as well. And I'd like you to have a moment of silence for anyone in the congregation that would like to pray out loud as well. And Lee McMiniman, if I could invite you up to maybe close this in prayer after a few moments.
Lord, we just thank you. Thank you for this incredible opportunity that you have blessed us with, this opportunity to be here and now during this turbulent time. Father, you've given us an opportunity to step out, perhaps as no other generation in recent history has. Our light can be bright because the world is dark, Father. And we just want to thank you for that opportunity to be the hands and the feet of your son, Jesus, into a dark, dark world. Father, now as we prepare to leave this place, just asking that you embolden each and every man, woman, and child. From, from this moment, Father, we are just asking for that wisdom, for that boldness, for that courage, for that understanding, and mostly, Father, just indwell in us a love that we have never understood or felt before to go out and be that bright light in this world. And we ask all of this in the precious name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. As you leave, I want you to think about one thing, and that's we didn't share many practical, and I'd love to share more steps as far as how do we show more kindness? How do we actually show this love in action? Men, you can be seated. Um, I do just encourage you, remember a few months back, we actually wrote out a list and we came up together with over a hundred different ways to show kindness, everyday kindness. Think back to that list, brainstorm with your families and friends, how can you show kindness to the least of these, to all these, to all God's people? You're dismissed, we'll reconvene, we'll say in, in 10 minutes at 11.55 for our business meeting, we'll try and make it as fast as possible to respect lunch. At 11, 11.05, 11.05.